Let's jump straight into, uh, straight into scripture. I, I, the title I was given as I was preparing for this message, I got a title that simply said, Called to Set Free. We are called to set free. I love that you yesterday, I didn't realize yesterday you had a Freedom Day. I love that, Freedom Day. Um, and I think it ties in quite well with everything that God has placed on my heart to speak to you about. And we're going to be speaking from Exodus chapter 3. Classic story, classic character in the name of Moses. Uh, we know that very well, but, but I want to pull some thoughts from there that would hopefully help us to realize that everything that God has done for us in terms of setting our lives free, setting us free, was not just for us to be free and just stay in this newfound freedom for ourselves, but actually there's a lot more to do with helping others find the very freedom that we now have. And we want to look at that a little bit in, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verse 1 to verse 12. Are we going to read? Um, I'll read from here, and I'm sure it will come up on the screen, hopefully. Um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 12. And now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called, from, called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Man, I've been practicing. Can you tell I've been practicing all those names? I think I've done well. I'll give myself a pat on the back. Verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. Somebody say go. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Father, we thank you 
for all that you are doing in this place. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for the privilege we have to come around your word together as a family. We give you thanks, Lord, and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We know this story. It's a classic story. We know it very well, actually. And, and I just want to say, uh, as we watch this journey unfolding in the life of this man called Moses, it is important for us to know that before coming into this scene that we see in chapter 3, uh, there is a Moses that we recognize back in Egypt, uh, even before coming into the palace and living in Pharaoh's palace, we still see the young boy Moses whom God sets aside when there was a massive killing of young boys. And, and, and when you watch that whole trail of this young man and his life unfold in Egypt and then beyond Egypt to the point where he's now fled Egypt because of what he has done in Egypt. Now he's in this moment in Exodus chapter 3 where we are now seeing an encounter with the Lord. I, I want to say this to you. I truly believe, I said this to John, I said, I, I, I really believe this word is very prophetic for this house in terms of what God is about to call you into next. And, and I pray that even as, you, as we take this word in, we can genuinely begin to look at ourselves and begin to reflect on the role that we have to play on this journey. Notice how the first thing that happens when this whole adventure of 3.3 million people in Egypt being set free starts with something I like to call a posture of curiosity in Moses. Let's read. In verse 2, it says this, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And verse 3 is the key part. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why this bush does not burn up? And verse 4, watch that. When the Lord saw, all of these things have already happened, but when God saw that, he, that Moses had gone over to look, God called. When God saw, the posture of curiosity in Moses is in that moment that God called him. Context, burning bushes in that part of the world were very normal. It was a dry, barren land. It's just dry. It's a dry piece of land. It's a dry piece of land. So burning bushes are very, very normal. So to notice the difference between a bush that is burning and a bush that is burning but is not being consumed, you, you, you have got to be really paying attention to something that is fairly normal. Are you with me? Uh, we, we, we have this idea that the next move of God is going to come through lightning and thunder and, and, and all of that stuff, and it's going to be big bangs of all kinds and, you know, just, no, sorry, breaking news. It's, it's, no, that's not how it's going to happen. Because if it happens that way, then anybody can see that God is doing something. But God is looking for those who are willing to pay particular attention to the seemingly normal 
things of our time. And take another look again and say, God, are you in this? God, are, are you, is there something that you're doing here? Is there, is there something that you're, you're calling us into? If you look with the naked eye, if you just look, if you just take one glance, it's normal. Burning bushes have a tendency, I'm going to use this phrase, burning bushes have a tendency of disguising the supernatural through something that seemingly, that seems very normal. A burning bush is just normal. Yet in the very moment where he noticed that there is fire, but this bush is not being consumed, he says, I'm going to go further. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take another closer look. And then God says, boom. There you go. So I've got a question for you, Hope Church. What burning bushes in your life have you walked past thinking they're just normal? And yet maybe God has been trying to draw your attention to come and take a closer look. There are burning bushes in your workplace. There are burning bushes in your friends, friendship circles. There are burning bushes in school, in college, in university. There are burning bushes everywhere. Seemingly normal situations that need you to take another look. And then you notice that, ah, maybe that same friend at work that once upon a time didn't want to know anything about God on a particular day, Instead of you assuming that they're still in the same place because you don't know what God was doing in their life the night before, revealing himself. And on that morning, you walk in and you think, oh, that's just Janet being Janet. And yet in that moment, Janet has just become a burning bush. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> a posture of curiosity ensures that what you think is normal at a new day, in a new day, in a new moment, can become absolutely supernatural. And, and, and that's how those moments of transformation, of revival, will come. It's not a lightning bolt. It's normal people like you and I who are, who are willing to just take another look. Are you with me? Just... just when you're back in work, take another look. When you're back at school, take another look. At college, take another look. In your business, take another look. Could it be a burning bush? And then you'll be amazed at what God can do with an individual who decides to take a posture of curiosity. If we're going to help people to be free, as people who are called to be set to set others free, that posture is going to help us because that posture forces us to lean into the Holy Spirit, even at times when we don't even realize he is speaking through us. So what else could happen through us as a people going in multiple directions and seeing God do amazing things? This church will be full in no time. In no time. Not because you've got great coffee or you've got great ambiance and, you know, that's lovely, that's great, but that's not what will fill up the church with people. 
It's when people, the Bible says it in Corinthians, it says, when people come who don't know Christ, and then the manifestation of the supernatural amongst the believers, when somebody reveals a prophetic message, the, the response of the person is, oh, not, you know, you got great coffee. You, no, no, no. The response of the person is, oh, wow, surely the Lord is amongst you. Because what has just come, what has just come out? As I came here, as I, I was just visiting, I was just walking down the road and I walked in and, 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 and somebody greeted me and then bang, what just came out of their mouth? Wow, surely the Lord is among you. If you could pick one thing, I, we've already said it and I said, if we're ever going to be called or known for one, if we had to choose one thing, we've said it for years now, over 10 years, we said, if there's one thing, Lord, that we want to be known for by you primarily is to be carriers of your presence. Anything else I can, it's optional. But if, if, if there was one mandatory thing, it has to be, it has to be your presence. Is that okay? All right, we're going to move. I'm really, I would love for us to, to just get some time at the end of this to just pray together. You, you, you know, a posture of curiosity has this amazing way of engineering creativity. Right? Something happens when you, you live a life leaning forward and leaning into God. And you begin to have creative ways of either connecting with people, communicating with people, whatever else God needs to do through you, he can do it. Creativity will bubble up as a result of a posture of curiosity. Quick story. So we have four children. You can imagine the state of our house. It is crazy. But out of all of that craziness, there's a little boy called Malachi. Working from home on a Zoom call, he decides, Dad, I need a biscuit. I said, Malachi, just give me a moment. Give me a moment. I'll get a biscuit for you. But how many of you know that when a child says they want something, they're not going to ask once, they're not going to ask twice, they're not going to ask three times, they're going to ask 500 times until you give it to him. And he persisted until I said, I said, Mal Malachi, just give me a moment. Let me just finish the call and I'll come and give it to you. And then he walked out of the room and I thought, oh, good boy. Really listening. That's, this is great. Moments later, I heard a dragging noise in the kitchen. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth is going on? And I thought, okay, like any parent would do, I'm going to drop everything now and go and take a peek. And when I looked into the kitchen, what I saw was astounding. <laughs> that little boy had dragged the bar stool in front of the kitchen unit. And guess what? He sat on the bar stool. He pumped himself up with the hydraulic switch. And then got onto the worktop. And then, ta-da, right before him, snack box. Because like any good parent knows... You do not keep the snacks in the bottom shelves. you got to stack them up. And then grandparents sabotage this because they keep snacks everywhere. Shame on you, grandparents, sometimes. 
And then now in our house, we have this conversation where I can say, well, we don't do this in this house. And then the response is, well, but grandma lets us. <laughs> well, go and live with grandma then. Anyway, rant over. Number two, posture of curiosity. Number two is their cry is our calling. The cry of the people is our calling. Watch what happens in this situation. Go to the next slide, please. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, verse 7, watch this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Moses is not the miserable one. Moses is not the one who is going through the situation. He is in Mount Horeb, tending the flock of his father-in-law. So he's not in this situation at all. And he says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Okay, pause. So God, you have come down to rescue them. What has that got to do with me? Think about it. Moses didn't apply to be the superhero of that time. And yet God uses the language that says what he is desiring to do. His assumption is Moses is up for it. God says, I am, I've come down to do something about it. He could have sent, I don't know, lightning bolts to Egypt and destroy everything and set the people free. But he says, I have come down and my coming down means you're up. The coming down of God in our time means we're up. The whole conversation between God and Moses on Mount Horeb is a result of a group of millions of people crying. And then Moses is being called. Could it be that there are people crying all around us and God is looking for somebody in Hope Church to bring hope? to many who are in hopeless situations right now. And then maybe if you're anything like me, you ask the question, what, is, what does that have to do with me? You said you were coming down and you're going to do something about it. But yet for God, he says, well, I thought what I feel and what I want to do, you do too. Because I thought you said you gave your life to me. So, so if you've given your life to me, it is now mine. So if I am coming down wanting to change a situation, I, am I wrong in assuming that I means we? Huh. Just when you thought you're positioned here because it's just a lovely area, just a lovely place, well, newsflash, I means we. God wants to do something. It means you're up. You might, you might wake up in the middle of the night and don't understand what, what, why, am I, why am I feeling this thing? Why, why am I 
feeling like I'm praying for a particular community. I, I don't even like going to that particular community. Why am I, why have I got in my heart? Guess what? Somebody has cried. And God just said, I, we are going to do something about it. Hmm. Can you feel, can you feel the weight of that? You don't need to submit an application. Somebody just needs to cry and you're cold. Their cry becomes our calling. Can we move forward? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Oh. Right. Before I move forward, one of the things that we tend to do when we're cold is to give all the reasons. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh-huh. We can, yeah, I know. We, we, you know exactly where that's going to go. When I, when I got this role with AOG, do you know what I said to God? I said, God, in case you don't know people, let me help you. And I said, God, I, I will give you a double-sided A4 list of names of people who can do this far better than I can. Just in case you're, you're a bit short on the people side, I will help you, God, because maybe I know, I know people. I will help you. Let me give you a double-sided. And do you know what he said to me? He said, I still choose you. He says, you're right, son. All of those people on that list that you've put together, you are right. They can do this job far better than you could ever imagine. But I still choose you. Oh, Lord, I'm now way too old for this. Uh, there's so many other younger people. Yeah, I, yep, yes, you're right. There's so many other younger people, but I still choose you. Well, Lord, I've got, we're only a small church, Lord. We're only a small church, and, and maybe we need to leave this kind of assignment to the bigger churches, Lord. Oh, yeah, you're right. They are bigger numerically and financially and all of those things, but I still choose you. Oh, okay. Lord, I can't quite start that business at the moment because you know the circumstances that I have around me and, and I, I need to deal with this and I'm, I know all the situations, I know all those things but I still choose you I pray that will set somebody free today because guess what God knew all your limitations before you knew his expectations. Oh man, I can feel cladding falling off. I can feel guards just falling off and all kinds of things that would have become our comfort zone just being pulled off. And all you're left with is a willing heart that just says, I don't get it, but I trust you. God knew all your limitations way before you knew his expectations 
So by the time he comes to the ask, trust me, he's already done the risk assessment. And he will still choose you. That's our youngest daughter. <laughs> Welcome to the reality of our house. Right, can we all stand together and just finish with this? I'm hoping that even as you're writing things down, I believe that this is a message that has to be implemented straight away. And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to pull the things down that you've been holding on to as, as this comfort blanket that has made you miss out on the calling to help set others free. Your freedom is not just for you. Your freedom is to give a, a glimpse to others of what they too can enjoy if they say yes to Jesus. That, that's it. And then he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, not only do you have this incredible freedom, but, but, but for what we need to do, you will need someone called the Holy Spirit. So, so, guys, I need you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise and the fulfillment of the promise of God. When he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will come and he will give you power. Power means an inherent ability to do. When he comes, I, I, he will give you power. And then you will shift from being just disciples. And then you'll become my witnesses. Two are very different. You can be a disciple without the Holy Spirit because the disciple simply means a learner somebody who's learning about something a seeker that's where you have Sikhism as a religion coming from they're seeking something they're seeking something so you can you can literally you can you can in the purest form of what it means you can stay in this path by by just reading your word and reading about Jesus and and then yet miss on the actual transformational part that only comes through the Holy Spirit. And then he says, when you have him, you, you can't just be a disciple. You can't just be a seeker anymore. You'll have to be a witness. Why? Because the fullness of God in the Holy Spirit manifesting through your life will now become credible evidence. So your life and my life and your life and Janet's life will now become counted as evidence. That, that word witness is a legal term. They, you know, the Greek uses that particular language to, to invoke a courtroom scene. Because we all know that a case in a court can be won or lost based on the lack of evidence. And a witness, you know, this is why drug lords and, 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 and all of gangsters and stuff they can't do anything to the judge, but they will go after witnesses. Whew. Because they know that come the court's day, as long as a witness doesn't show up, a case can be dismissed. Likewise, Hope Church. At a time where communities and people are desperately seeking for evidence that God is real, 
all the enemy has to do is to keep us busy and make sure we don't show up to take the witness stand. Whew. I don't know what, I, I know what he's doing in me right now. I know what I'm feeling. I don't know what you're feeling right now. But the next time a situation comes up and it's trying to keep you away from God, it's trying to keep you away from the house of God, it's trying to keep you away from being a witness and bringing evidence before God, you need to know what is really happening. There might just be somebody who's waiting for you to show up. Brixham has a beautiful part called Berryhead. It's like a cliff edge. And it was a particular Sunday. It was one Sunday after church. We just felt, we got, actually we got home and we thought, are we going to have a relaxed, we'd already planned it. We're going to have a relaxed afternoon and we're just going to stay at home, pajamas on, and chill out on the Sunday afternoon. As soon as we got home, we felt, go to Brixham, go for a walk. It's Berryhead. And we're thinking, God, it's cold. It wasn't, a sun, it wasn't summer, it was winter. And we're thinking, it's too cold for this. But then we did it anyway. And I, and I remember that day we went for a walk and we're thinking, well, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm going to do this anyway. And we're walking. And then we, we literally came to this bit where there the were two, two paths. One would go into the cafe, like a cafe area on that side, but then the, the one on the right would go to the cliff edge. And we just found ourselves just going to the cliff edge. And we just continued to walk. And then as we were walking, we saw a bench in front of us and there was a young lady sat on that bench. And that bench is designed to give you the most panoramic views of the sea because it is it's quite close to the cliff edge. So as we're walking and we're walking past the bench, we just did the polite thing to do. Just said, hey, and then we walked past. And the moment we walked past, I felt the Holy Spirit said, you need to go back now and speak to that girl because she's about to jump off the cliff. And she has said, God, if you're real, if you, God, if you're real, there is no one around me, but if you're real, send someone. And in that moment, I remember saying, but she's, you know, maybe she's just wanting some quiet time. Who am I to go and disrupt her? And, she, and again, it just started soon. Go and speak to her. And I remember turning back and we sat down. And we started sharing, talking to her, trying to find out, you know, what she was doing, whether she's enjoying the view. And, and, and then we started to talk about, bit about what we do. And then she started crying. And we said, what's the matter? What's wrong? We said, I... I I said, God, if you're real, I, my life right now has just come to a point where I just can't take it anymore. And I said this one thing. I said, God, all I need to do is take a few steps that way and end this. But if you are real, if you are real, send someone. Watch this. In Painton, we're thinking about a comfortable afternoon after church. And yet in Brixham, 
And there's a situation that is looking for a witness, that is looking for someone who can say, yeah, okay, let's do it. In a moment's notice, I can put my plans to one side and go into the unknown. I have no idea what I'm going into, but I'm just going to go anyway. That young lady got up the bench, walked off together. I've never seen her since. I don't know what's happened to her life. But all I know is on that day, she didn't jump. That day, she didn't jump. Don't be robbed. You're on a serious assignment. Uh, if, if maybe you've got lots of things happening in your life, trust me, that I get it. I know, I know. With all of those things you've got going on in your world, could it be that someone, somewhere, is desperately trying to make sure you don't turn up on the witness stand? By piling stuff on your heart, piling stuff in your mind. Could, that, could it be? It's the perfect way, a justifiable way to say, God, I'm sorry I can't show up. Can you not see I've got so many other things going on in my world right now? There's a hint. If you've got stuff right now and you're thinking, but God, I can't do this. God, I can't get involved. I, could it be? It's just a way to keep you off the witness stand. And yet God is saying, I'm looking for someone I can call to help set others free. You could miss the burning bushes in your life. But from this moment on, don't look for the lightning bolt. Take another look at what seems very normal in your life. And maybe it could just be a burning bush moment for you you might be at home in your bed and in the middle of the night you're just woken up and there's just something stirring in your heart that, that has absolutely nothing to do with you just remember maybe someone somewhere has cried to the Lord and their cry becomes our calling watch what God will do in and through all of you. This is not about the pastors. This is not, don't, don't worry about that. Or the national leadership team, none, that's got nothing to do with this. This is about a son and a daughter of the Most High God. That's what it's about. That's what it's really about. You might never see me again, but, but, but let something stay in your heart. Once and for all, you could come in. Don't ever get into the habit of coming to church. Stir up expectation. God, whoo, today, some, yeah, I know, I know we're going to have beautiful worship. And, but, but could that be a burning bush moment? Could you have a burning bush moment as you're looking for the tracks? Huh? 
Because here's your challenge. As you're looking through your tracks, it's not about the synergy of what would work as a nice flow, but actually it's God, what, God, God, who needs to hear what? Yeah? And then you get those burning bush moments. You think this song makes absolutely no sense in light of everything else here, but we're gonna put it on anyway. And then ping, and then you realize, ah, he needed to hear that song. And just like that, bang, something happens. Man, I don't know what God wants to do here, but like, I just feel a real sense of, just a weighty sense of peace and presence of God. And it's, it's, it's a privilege. It's been a great privilege to just be able to, and I feel at home. I, I really, ask my wife, when I do stuff like this, I'm like looking at people in the eyes and it's because I feel at home. May the Lord bless you. And may something right here in this moment be sealed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's go and help people find freedom that is only in Christ. In Jesus' name.